0: Good morning. Well, you might think, what in the world is, is a text from Philemon doing being read for a sermon entitled, Rolling with the Punches? And I had no idea, Titus, that you were going to lead that song, Pierce My Ear. If you're not familiar with that song, that's a reference to the practice that God gave the Hebrews when they had a servant... They were only allowed to keep that servant for seven years and then they had to turn them loose and put a grub stake in their hand so they could go out and make it on their own. But if you had a servant who didn't want to leave, who wanted to stay because they found a, a good home where you were, then you could take that servant to the door of your home and take an awl and pierce their ear to the door of your house. And, and that would be a sign to everyone that this is a servant who said, I want to stay in this house. And so when we sing that song, we're staying, we want to say, stay in the house of the Lord. Not the church building, because the church is not a building, amen? amen? If you are a member of the Lord's church, you are the house of God. And so there's just a little, that's free. Uh, won't even charge you for that today as we get started with this lesson. But that text from Philemon we won't use until the end of the lesson. So so keep that marked and Lord willing we'll come back to that in just a little bit. All right, Rolling with the Punches. What in the world is a sermon called Rolling with the Punches all about? Perhaps you're familiar with this phrase. Rolling with the Punches, punches means to adapt to the hardships one may unexpectedly run into. This is from the internet because I want I want all my sources to be viable. So... <laughs> But we know what it means. It's, this is just somebody who put it into, uh, into terms we could understand. Here's another definition, so to speak, of rolling with the punches, to be able to deal with a series of difficult situations. And of course the imagery comes from boxing, where if you've ever seen boxers in the ring, one guy will throw a punch and the other guy will he'll, he'll dodge and he'll roll and he'll duck, if he's smart anyway. The guys that don't win are the ones that fail to roll with the punches. If you roll with the punches, you might be able to to win the bout. However, we're talking about situations that arise that are difficult to deal with. And in the Lord's Church, this happens all the time. And we're trying to figure things out as we go. Of course, staying true to the Word of God always. So rolling with the punches, talking about the early church, how it faced situations calling for, for versatility... Well, holding fast to the truth. Now, I've only got five that I picked out. There are several. I didn't put them all in here because I didn't want the sermon to last all morning. But five will be representative. And you might be looking at it going, well, you didn't put Stephen in there. He was killed in chapter 7. Isn't that something the church had to roll? What about chapter 12 where James was beheaded by? Yeah, see, there's some things that won't be in this. But, but you'll get the flavor, the idea of rolling with the punches. The church has always had to do it and the church still needs to do it. So number one, Acts chapter 6, there was a problem. Don't you hate problems? That's why I did not like math. Immediately they confronted you with problems. I thought, what's this all about? I want to solve problems, but not math problems. Anyway, that's another issue altogether. They had a problem. There were some Grecian widows. That means these were women who had become Jewish uh, proselytes, but they weren't being cared for in the ministry of the church. People had come from all over the world, to worship on Pentecost. And because the kingdom had been established, people were staying and some of those people were Grecian widows. And they they needed some financial assistance and it wasn't happening. So, you may recall what happened. The apostles said, all right, pick out seven guys and put them over this work because it's not right for the apostles who are supposed to be preaching the word to stop and, and take care of this issue that other people would be well qualified to handle. So... So I think this is the first deacons, Acts chapter 6. Doesn't call them deacons, but they're servants, and that's what a deacon is. And they took over work that the apostles, uh, that allowed the, the apostles to be free to go on preaching the word. Another thing, another punch that the church had to roll with was persecution. Of course, it started before chapter 8, but chapter 8 is when we're introduced to the persecution of the church in earnest. It was so difficult that all of the Christians who were in Jerusalem had to flee. Who were the only ones who stayed behind? The apostles. If you've read that text, you may recall it was the apostles who stayed behind. But how would you like to have persecution arise here in Choctaw and we'd have to flee? That would mess up your lunch plans, wouldn't it? You only have to eat on the road and eat in secret perhaps because we are not welcome. And we need to pray that that doesn't happen. Or if it does happen, that we find ourselves fulfilling the faith In that circumstance just as we would in any other. Chapter 9. The guy who led the persecution in chapter 8. Meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul. And he was a high ranking Jewish official. Who had gotten letters from the higher ups to go to Damascus. He's going to travel on the road to Damascus. And persecute Christians. That's what he was doing. And of course Jesus introduced himself to him. (laughs) Knocked him down with the great light so to speak. Blinded him for three days. And as Saul lay there on the ground he said. Who art thou Lord? Uh, The the Greek word is kurios. And that's what you called somebody who you knew was in authority. And it's interesting that Paul. Blinded by the light. Calls out to the one calling to him from heaven. And calls him Lord. And of course Jesus taught him the gospel through Ananias. uh, And Saul became a Christian and became Paul. But when he tried to introduce himself to the church, the church said, Wait a minute. This is the guy who's been persecuting the church. He led the charge to persecute the church. And who was it, by the way, who finally introduced Paul to the church and made peace? It was Barnabas. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. So that's chapter 9. Then we get to chapter 10. And Peter is sent to the house of Cornelius. What was unusual about Peter being sent to the house of Cornelius? He was a Gentile. He was not Jewish. And up to this point, no Gentiles had come into the church. I know we talked about those Grecian widows, but they had already proselyted themselves into Judaism. And so it wasn't like, oh, they're full-blown Gentiles. But Cornelius was a full-blown Gentile. Guess what you are? If you're not Jewish, you are a full-blown Gentile. You can hyphenate that if you want to, but that's what we are. we are. We are the Gentiles. We are the farthest parts of the earth, as Jesus told the apostles in Acts chapter 1. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Oklahoma would have been the uttermost part of the earth, and here we are. I love that The gospel has continued to come down to us in this day. But that was a big deal. As a matter of fact, it was such a big deal, the Gentiles coming into the church, that in chapter 11, they had a big meeting about it. And that wasn't enough. They had another big meeting about this in chapter 15. And you can go back and read in chapter 15 of Acts and chapter 11 of Acts about those meetings and what was said about the Gentiles coming into the kingdom and how the Holy Spirit had operated through Peter and his entourage who had gone to see Cornelius. It's a very fascinating study and one that shows us, yeah, we're supposed to be here. This was the intent of God all along. For God so loved the Jews, for God so loved the world. Thank God, thank God for that. And then the last one we'll talk about this morning, chapter 15. Barnabas, who had helped Saul come in among the saints and be accepted, has now brought his nephew on a mission trip previous, and bless his heart, John Mark left them. They were shipping off to go preach the gospel. And John Mark, it doesn't say why. For some reason, though, he left. And so now they're going to have another missionary journey. And Barnabas says, all right, well, I'll I'll get John Mark. And Paul says, "Whoa, whoa, 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 we're not taking that boy again. He left us last time. And they had a big fight over that. Well, a sharp dispute, the text says. And so they parted ways. And I know this isn't something that was of the church. It was between these two brothers, but still, rolling with the punches is what we're talking about. How did this all turn out? Did Paul and Barnabas part ways forever? Of course they didn't. But they did part ways at this point. Paul took Silas and went off to preach. Guess what Barnabas did? He stuck his lip out and stomped off and said, <laughs> No, he didn't do that. He took John Mark and he went on a missionary journey. So, in fact, it turned out pretty good. We had two missionary journeys taking place instead of one. Later on, what will Paul write about John Mark? He's in prison and he will say, and send John Mark to me for he is useful in the ministry. And there's a lesson there. You see that's how to roll with the punches. You've got a situation that's difficult. There's disagreement, might be sharp disagreement, and you think there's going to be a big long-time falling out. But actually what's happening is something much better and that's what happened with Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and Silas. The John Mark who might have been abandoned and left by the wayside is now brought into the kingdom as a useful worker. So, these are just some things that I wanted to to use to introduce this lesson this morning because this lesson's not a It's not a sermon per se, just as a sermon. This is kind of an announcement, but it's not just an announcement. It's also a request. Uh, Shepherds and I are, are making an announcement through this lesson and making a request of you as well. So let me try to explain some of what that's all about. We were doing great, and then we had to roll with some punches. There was COVID. We made it through COVID. Do you remember COVID? Okay. Do you remember the things we had to do? Just to try to figure things out. Are we going to meet? Are we not going to meet? Are we going to meet just once on Sunday for worship? Or are we going to go ahead and have two? Are we going to have class? If we're going to meet, how are we going to do that? We roped off some pews. And we said, okay, we're going to try to keep separate from one another. We had two services, if I remember right. And between those services, we had volunteers who came in. Members of this congregation, we had a crew who came in and wiped down everything with Lysol. This place is probably cleaner than most church buildings. Anyway, that was was the kind of stuff we had to do. And and we had some, some struggles through that for sure. And then... With COVID, we thought, well, if we're not going to be in the building so much, maybe we ought to do a little refurbishing. So we did some painting. We've got some new carpet down finally. How about that new carpet? we got some new flooring in the fellowship hall. We've done quite a bit to the physical uh, uh, facility, the sheep shed, as we call it. Got countertops in the kitchen. Been in there to see those. We've got new decor out in the foyer. We've got as a matter of fact, I was looking for a picture I used to have in the office area that I missed, and I don't know what happened to it. It probably got deep-sixed back in that, but oh well. Life goes on. What do you do? You're all with the punches. <laughs> yeah. Redid the foyer. What else did we do? We were given a talented associate minister. And I say we were given because of the way it turned out. It's not like we did that. We got together and, and we came up with a talented associate. We didn't find John or create John. John just kind of was there. And he was mentioned to me. And I said, well, if, uh, having a conversation with Tina and Titus. And he said, oh, there's this guy who's a pretty good speaker. And I said, well, give me his number and I'll call him. And I did. And the, the rest is, as we say, history. It was like out of the blue. Almost as if it was of God. Do you ever want to chuckle when somebody says something like that? Because I think that's it. He's working all the time, isn't he? And after all, whose church is this? It's his church. It's not ours. We'd mess it up if it was ours. But if we follow God's lead, it'll always be good. And so we brought John on because that was the thing to do. Didn't he do a great work while he was here? And then that rascal was called away. And losing him, man, that was a punch, I'd say. I remember when he came and said, Marty, i got to tell you something. I got a call. I still have a little bruise on my head where I just hit my desk. That was a punch. So John's gone. What are our options since John has left? Do we just continue as things are now? This is kind of the way it was before John came. Why did we seek out John or someone like John? Because we thought we needed to do that. This was a suggestion that came from you all. And we yeah, this is a good suggestion. Let's do that. And so we brought John on board. And it was great for a year. But now he's gone. What do we do? Continue like we were before? Well, that's, that's an option. Find a new associate minister, preacher. I don't know how many Johns there are out there. There may be another man. And if there is, I believe God will bring him to us because we're asking for his guidance. I hope you've been praying for that, praying for us as your shepherds, your leaders, that we might find the best the best path, the best path through this decision-making process. There's another option, What if we created a new position with a specific focus on evangelism? Not just another associate minister to do some preaching, but a whole new focus on this ministry that would focus on evangelism, on reaching out into the community. If we did that, the man for this new position would need to be sound in the faith, what does that mean when I put given after that? I could have also put, duh. You, you, get a, you put a man in ministry, he's got to be solid. You don't want anybody who's going to change the way the scriptures have been laid down or change the way we do it based on what the scriptures say. He's got to be sound and solid. He's got to be a man who's trustworthy of such a ministry. If we're going to have a focus on evangelism, he's got to be evangelistic. And this will have to be his focus because I'm telling you, When you go into ministry, there's a dozen people tagging at your your shirt collar and your coattails all the time to come and do this or do that. And the focus has to be pretty solid. Got to be somebody who's able to help with ongoing ministries. In other words, yes, bringing them on board to have a focus on evangelism. But in the meantime, we need help teaching Bible classes. We need more male teachers to lead classes, and so this guy would help to do that. He needs to be one who would help with a, a preaching, a little sermon. No, 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 not a little sermon, Marty. A short sermon is one thing, but a little sermon is no good at all. Amen? All right. But help with preaching, help with writing, all of the things that an associate would normally do, he needs to help to some degree with those things. So we need somebody who can do that as well. Got to have a passion for lost souls, I know we all care about lost souls, but there are some people, and you know it as well as I do, they just have a drive. Like Jack Carter, when I was going to school at Bear Valley, and Debbie, I'm sure Debbie remembers Jack Carter, he was a big guy, he just had a heart of gold, and he taught some of our classes on personal evangelism, and he talked about a little kitten, you dangle a piece of yarn in front of a little kitten, what happens? What happens? That kitten is going to go for that yarn every time they are fascinated with yarn. And he said, that's the way we need to be about souls. You see that lost soul and you've got to be fascinated, drawn to that. That's that's the kind of person we're looking for with that kind of a passion for lost souls. Got to be somebody who is outgoing and gregarious. You don't have to look that up. I'll tell you what gregarious means. It means... He likes to be around people. Now, I have a confession to make. I'm not a gregarious guy. As a matter of fact, there's a part of me, as soon as I preach and finish a sermon, I want to go out one of those doors right there. I'm just not made that way. But I have learned to be otherwise because there is such great value in being around people. But this guy is not going to be one that we have to have him learn that. He's going to have that naturally. He's going to want to be around people from the get-go. That's going to be his bread and butter. So we're looking for somebody like that if, if we want to fulfill this position. And of course we need somebody who's committed to the Lord's church and to her work. Now, if we're looking for this position to be filled, if we think this is the way we want to go, that's the kind of guy we're going to need for it. And we presently have such a man in Titus. And this is no surprise to him. We've been talking about this, and we're, we're trying to wonder, is this the way to go? And we think it may be. And so, thinking about Titus, he's well-suited to this work. He's willing to take it on. And he's proven himself a faithful minister. Amen. He's been with us for two years as our youth minister and done a fantastic job. And we get to keep him. Yeah, see, we, we might give him a different work to do, but he would still be here. And that means the relationships that he's built in the time he's been here, he will still have, they will still be. He's he's not going away from us if we go this route. So there is that. What would this move mean if we made this change? This would mean we need to bring on board a new youth and family minister I'm not looking forward to going through the prospects. Titus was just kind of brought to us over the time. And what a blessing he has been in that time. It just worked out fantastic. But we're going to have to look for somebody new. Because he's got a great work going. And we don't want that to stop. We don't want that to in any way be impeded. So we're going to have to look for a new man to be specifically dedicated to that work. We're going to have to keep our youth work going strong in the meantime. With Titus continuing in this work, he'll continue to be the youth minister. If we want to go this route, he'll be the youth minister until we get the new guy to take on the youth work. And so we need your input and in prayers. I think you can see this as obvious. Is this what we want to do? We're thinking this is a pretty good direction to go. But we want to hear from you. And we definitely need your prayers. So what we're looking to do is move Titus into a new ministerial position with a specific focus on evangelism. That's what this is all about. We don't want to lose anything or give up anything in our ministry to our young people. He's going to keep doing that until a new man comes on board but this will be a new position for him, a new focus on the work. Now back to Philemon 10 through 16. You read that text, and this is Paul writing to a man who has owned the slave about the slave who has run away, and he's saying, I've found him, I've taught him. He's your brother in Christ now and I'm sending him back to you. Please receive him as you would a brother in Christ. As a matter of fact, if he has somehow defrauded you or if he owes you anything, I will pay that amount. You just receive him back as a brother. But what I want to focus on, what caught my attention is this statement in verse 15. This is Philemon verse 15. In the New American Standard... It starts with these two English words. For perhaps. What does perhaps mean? Perhaps means maybe. Perhaps means Paul, even though selected by Jesus Christ to be an apostle, even though speaking as we would believe it through the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say here's why. He says perhaps. Maybe this is it. Perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. When things happen, you and I ask questions. I, I know we do. I do So why did this happen? I wonder what's behind that. When's the last time you got a letter from God explaining why something happened? Well, that's, that's the Bible essentially, but I'm talking about why your washing machine broke last week. We don't get those kind of memos, do we? We just see things happen and we go, hmm, I wonder why that happened. I wonder why this is. And I'm wondering about this whole situation. About God and his providence working in us, through us, and among us. Just like Titus leading that song, Pierce My Ear. That was kind of out of the blue. When's the last time we sang Pierce My Ear in, in a Sunday morning assembly, and yet we sang it this morning, just prior to this lesson, talking about this idea? Well, I think it's providential myself. And so we're, we're asking God to lead us providentially. We're asking you to pray for us and to the Lord about this possible decision to be made. And either way, we get to keep Titus. I'm glad for that. And so this is the end of the lesson. I'm bringing it to a conclusion. And this isn't one of those lessons that necessarily preaches the gospel, so to speak. But perhaps it's providence that you are here this morning talking about the functioning of the church, the working of the church. And this is important because there is no other body of people on the earth like the church. It's the same as saying there is nothing like the ark. There was nothing like the ark. The ark was all that was going to be left after the flood. And I'm telling you, the church is all that will survive this world. And so I encourage you, if you're here providentially, to take advantage of this fact and to seek out Jesus Christ this morning. If you know how to obey the gospel like it's taught, to simply put your faith in Jesus Repent of your sin. Let someone bury you in water. To be raised from that water to walk in newness of life. We want to help you with that. If you need to study about that some more, we're here for you. You need the prayers of this church. I think anybody here know how to pray? Yeah, I I saw one hand go up. Oh, there's another one. Great. Love you guys. Let's stand and sing.